We're doing our annual free week on the Sharp Football Analysis website. All of Warren Sharp's betting picks and website content that normally requires a subscription is 100% free all week. Just Google Sharp Football, click the website Sharp Football Analysis, and click the blue banner up top to get access. Hello, welcome to Sharp Angles Podcast. I'm Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Rich Rebar. Yo, Rich, heading into week 11 now, uh, getting ready for, for some thunder snow and all of the things <laughs> that are going to be uh, impacting us this week. So how are you doing today? Uh, we're doing good, man. It's crazy. It is wild to think it's already week 11, but uh, yeah, here we are. We're knocking on the door of you know it being Thanksgiving you know, next week, and the season is like, we're basically there, man. We're cooking. Yeah, we we are the cooking. It, it still feels a little slightly undercooked because we don't really know like what what exactly. The games are close though, Dan. Remember that the games are close. Sure, if that's your quality of of a good season, then <laughs> all right. Because um, I've I've seen some bad close games. Um, <laughs> we've also also seen some some wild close games. I mean, obviously with with whatever Bills Vikings was last week, still haven't completely gotten my head around yeah, the, whatever the, happened in that and game. it's not just the 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 back and forth like last year when it had like the chiefs bills it was like big play after big play that bills vikings game it was the the absurdity of the plays that were occurring uh you know the justin jefferson catch you have the failed fourth down sneak and then you have the fourth down fumble like i i mean to fumble that snap was just insane right like it was just like the ultimate run out like it was just insane it was just a, a crazy series of plays yeah yeah, it's absolutely wild. And then we <laughs> to to get into this week is you can just dive into it. We have the the Minnesota Vikings. Still one loss and we, we still don't know if they're good. It's just it's going to be a thing you, you hear every every piece of NFL content you are going to consume from probably now until like the end of the season we're still trying to figure out whether the Vikings are are good or not. I, I think we can say because you know, Looking, they I think probably, they do good things. Yeah, so I think that's <laughs> I, that's probably the right way uh, to put it because you know when we look at this schedule here, they are one of the late afternoon games. They're playing the Cowboys, uh, which is probably one of the better games of the week, if not like the best game, just kind of given the current state of of both teams. Um, so we can dive like right into that one. Yeah, the Vikings are a team that does good things and i kind of like i wrote it in first attempt they have enough of the top tier of the talent where like if that needs to take over a game or they need to rely on that they can't like obviously there's justin jefferson on the offensive side of the ball but like on the defensive side of the ball like we i don't think we'd said the name zadarius smith much on this podcast but like you've been crazy good uh when i wrote the midseason all pro team i had him uh, second team all pro because it was like there was just really no way to leave him off the way he's uh, was leading in pressure rate um one of the highest sack totals one of the highest uh hit totals just the, the way he's getting to the quarterback right now so they still they also have like that type of impact play the secondary is getting a little better we spent a lot of time in, in the beginning of the season talking about their secondary how they were a team you know trying to do a lot of the fangio stuff and because with ed donatel they were so much of you know 
a team based in that style running more cover six than, than any team. Uh, and it just wasn't always clicking, but now it is a little bit like Patrick Peterson's playing pretty well. Um, obviously he had the interception, but just on a down to down basis, he's playing well. They have the safeties that are now playing well, obviously like it was a little rough in the beginning of the season that Lewis trying to get Lewis seen in there. And then he has that injury. Uh, but Harrison Smith's playing really well. It's just like, there's a lot of pieces on the team that are just playing at least good enough and like right now that's in the nfl that's kind of what you need to to be an an actual good team it's just enough pieces playing good enough because there are a bunch of teams that don't even have that at this point yeah i think when you look at the vikings there everyone looks on the outside they you know you want to have the obviously the old viking stigma uh you know how how will they they lose this game is they're winning the those in the non-vikings ways this year um but they do, like I said, I think the best way to frame it is that they do, they're doing good things. And, you know, you look at the offensive yeah. side of the ball, they are, they're more aggressive throwing on first down, right? Like they're not just using, using the passing game when they have to, it's using the passing game to set up other things. They're running obviously out of all, out of 11 personnel, which we knew that they were going to do coming in. They make that trade for a couple weeks ago. We talked about the TJ Hawkins trade. Did it really like change the dynamic for like TJ Hawkinson at all? Not really, but what it did was yeah. it allowed Justin Jefferson now to free up and run routes downfield, which we weren't getting. Like remember for eight weeks, the Vikings were a, a, literally just ahead of the Giants, like deep ball rate. Uh, so now we've seen the past two weeks, Justin Jefferson's crushing on the intermediate level and the deep level. And, you know, his entire career, like he's been like an intermediate level assassin, like just absolutely crushed in the intermediate levels so they are doing the the right things like you said when you have the and then you just you just hope the talent takes over right when, when all the situations come about they do need kirk cousins to play better though it is like i i like the way you framed it a couple weeks ago i keep framing it it is wild that they have like their best record while he's playing his worst football of his career like this is the worst he's probably played of his career like the entirety of the season so far there's time to turn it around uh, but all those years he was playing really good football and they were kind of, he was kind of wearing the blame of them being mediocre, but, uh, right. yeah, I think when you look at it from the top though, they are doing good things. And I think that that is a, a better signal than us just saying, should they have lost some of these games? Yeah. And for the Kirk Cousins thing, I had a, a big table a couple of weeks ago in first and 10, just looking at it, I think it might've been like through week six or seven, just like his, his EPA per play. And it was easily the lowest like he had ever been through that point in his career and i'm going to uh, assume i don't have the the full chart uh but he's still at negative uh, 0.2 uh epa per play he's 23rd right now he's behind matt ryan in epa per play among quarterbacks this year which is just insane so it's just some of those things it's just you know he's kind of the the poster child of like the the point and throw quarterback if you present something good to him he's probably going to be able to hit it uh if not then that's where you get into trouble and the vikings have kind of been back and forth with that like you said there there just there weren't explosive plays there was no way they were manufacturing those on their own you had either you know justin jefferson was taking those short crossers and turning them into huge gains or it just wasn't happening uh so when you look at what they are doing now and like yeah man we were we were all over this TJ Hawkinson thing and like it's completely come up to like what we said it was. We can get Justin Jefferson right now with TJ Hawkinson on the field, 31% target share, a 13.04 
13.04 average depth of target, getting 45.9% of the team's air yards. He has turned into a downfield threat because TJ Hawkinson is now a legitimate piece that can run those short and intermediate routes. And Justin Jefferson no longer has to do that, right? It's when you have like the super talented guy and you kind of need someone to run that short to intermediate area of the field, because like, that's kind of where the offense is going to win. And you need that in case of emergency. And Justin Mm -hmm. Jefferson was that guy early in the year. And now he doesn't have to do it. We saw immediately how that could have an impact the past two games. And then obviously the bills game, when you're throwing to him downfield, like those just weren't pieces of the offense earlier in the season. And now, everything opens up so you have Hawkinson underneath Hawkinson's just kind of been doing Hawkinson things right hasn't been incredible Uh, but like you said he's putting that piece in that offense I think it it opens up feeling a little more like it's just it's just that little piece that that you were able to put in it just opened up everybody else because now they don't have to do that job they didn't have anyone to do that job before and they had better players playing a worse role and that's just not the case now so I am excited to see how that continues to turn and then i think you look at when they're going to be playing at dallas this weekend and dallas is an interesting team because obviously like they they have that pass rush and it's kind of been working but i think we've kind of seen you can one like run to the outside against them I'm not sure how much minnesota is going to be relying on that but i think and that also, goes back to week one like yeah remember the buccaneers ran all over the cowboys to open the year and then the buccaneers run game was just trash like for like the next seven weeks but they all they did was run run left to the outside that entire game they're back and i know that feels like another year right now but they literally just ran uh, outside left entire game like it's all they did and then that's kind of come back the last two weeks yeah it it really has and i think you kind of look at the structure of what you know, the Vikings are doing their, uh, the way they obviously play uh, 11 personnel so much. They're running into a white box 37.6% of the time. That's the eighth highest um, rate in the league. So they are, you know, doing some good things there. Uh, so obviously, like, maybe you'll be able to structure some of that that run game just, like, a, a little bit. Uh, but I also think you can take advantage of the secondary a little bit if you're trying to, you know, get the ball out quickly. And I think we've we've kind of seen – for as much as the Cowboys were doing well on defense, it was a lot of individual players like really doing some stuff well. And they were throwing some like ex- exotic things on like third downs and stuff, but it's still like it's a Dan Quinn like single high defense, right? So you you can still kind of take advantage of that if you have like the talent. And you know, we'll probably see Justin Jefferson on, on Trayvon Diggs, and Trayvon Diggs like hasn't been beaten as often as he was and obviously doesn't have the the high end of the interceptions either he's i think overall consistency has been better than last year but like you can still get him a little bit so i I think they still have enough pieces on the offensive side of the ball where it's it's going to be a matchup problem i think for for defenses and i think dallas still kind of ends up being in in that category uh, where they don't necessarily have all the pieces especially if you can kind of get the ball out quickly i think we saw that last week with um with the Packers, like they tried not to throw the ball at all. They were just going to run on the Cowboys. We're only going to throw a couple of times. We'll hit off play action. And I think the Vikings can, can do exactly that uh, when they're matching up against Dallas. Yeah, it's all going to be, you know, about that pass rush. And it's been like Kirk Cousins thing this year, right? Like you said, if you get Cousins off script, it's just been, an, it's been a disaster. Uh, his completion rate drops 31% under pressure. Uh, that's the seventh largest drop in the league. So if Dallas, you know, obviously the 
one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. If they're able to get home, that's basically going to be the story of the game. That was a story when these two teams – it was a different system last year, but these teams played last year. It was a Cooper Rush start. Uh, and Cousins, it was also a primetime start, too, if you guys want to throw even more, you know, narrative on that, on that. But, like, Cousins was terrible in that game. And, you know, they pressured him on 41% of his dropbacks in that game, and he threw for 21 yards under pressure in that game. Uh, so that's kind of going to be the M.O. here is, is, you know, can Kirk Cousins, you know, deal with the pressure and can Dallas get home? Because uh, that's going to be the story. Because they only, Justin Jefferson only had 21 yards in that game last year. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I, guess, I guarantee you he has more than 21 on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, I think we can we can hit that's not going to be an official line, but I think we can hit that over. Yeah, uh, we're not gonna be able to bet. You're not gonna be able to bet over 21. Uh the alt line is not gonna be able to be teased that low, but uh oh, what's interesting though now is is the Dallas offense and what exactly that looks like because I think we Especially with Zeke Elliott. Yeah, and if he's coming back and if they're just <laughs> It's hard to imagine they just go back to no. what like you you can't. I don't think like it, this doesn't have to be like the Tony Pollard show, but I you can't go back to trying to just run Zeke up the middle. It's got to like, be like the Packers, right? Times game, sure, but Aaron it's like he's like Tony Pollard's got to be Aaron Jones, like less receiving work, and then Zeke is AJ Dillon. Yeah, I, I think in the split in that way, because like we've talked about the Packers before, the problem with that is when, you know, Aaron Jones is your best offensive player and you're trying right. to get, <laughs> you're trying to fit the offense around him, but then you're trying to do some of that pony stuff. So Aaron Jones also becomes like the number one wide receiver. And then you're getting like worse at wide receiver and also worse at running back. And that's where I think you get, you get yourself into the problems that like the Packers have so mm-hmm. far trying to fit those two guys on the field. I, Dallas obviously isn't. That, you know, yeah, because they have CD Lamb, they have you know the Gallup. Um, they're they're, they're going to be able to yeah figure out a passing offense. and don't have to rely on on the running back to do that. But yeah, in in the way that it's you know it's set up th- through the rotation, I think it it should be it should be more Pollard, man. Let let Zeke be the the short yardage back. Um, let him do that kind of stuff that that he's good at. Um, it just like he doesn't need to be running on first down. Uh, I don't think you, you need to be doing that like 10, 15 times a game. There, there's absolutely no reason for that. Um, but I think we kind of like, we wanted the offense to be a little more creative, I think, and bring more of like the Cooper rush. We have to design some stuff for the offense to make it work and like have that translate over to that. And like, it has been there a little bit, but like not quite as much as you still would have hoped it's still like hey Dak you're really good like go make this play um and that that put them in like some kind of tough places like they're they're moving CD Lamb around a little bit but like it's still a place where you know like they're, they're they're relying too much on like everyone to be perfect and I think like that's kind of where they're they're finding in some of the struggles a little bit so i'd just like to see them like just open some things up a little more get get a little more creative obviously with the pollard stuff it it's worked the past couple weeks but then you also like see yourself you're relying on that a little bit and then you put yourselves into into a hole where then you have to get yourself back into the game um which we saw last week with the packers so it's i'm, I'm really like just not sure where i've 
am feeling like with this Cowboys offense right now. It's just, it's weird. Um, I'm not, I'm not as down on it. I mean, you look at like last week, I mean, it, it, it was like an all time run bad spot, right? Like you're up 14 going in the fourth quarter. Uh, a couple mistakes were made in that game by Dak Prescott. Maybe they could have ran the ball a little bit more towards the end of the game and had more of a, of a run split, but like, you just had like an all-time bad beat, right? Like I'm not like when those things happen, it's not like a sky is falling moment. Like you know, I'm not gonna you know l- turn on my TV and listen to hear like this is why Dak Prescott's so overrated, right? Like you, you just gotta hit. You had a bad beat, right? Same thing happened to the Bills. It was just an all-time bad beat. Uh, things happen like that. You made some mistakes. You have some plays in the field, but th- since Dak has come back, I mean they've been scoring a lot of points. So yeah. Uh, I mean, I still feel pretty positive overall about like the state of the offense. Yeah, they could definitely do some more things here. Uh, creativity to get some of these other guys going too, right? Because like right now the offense has been kind of big plays through Tony Pollard the past two weeks and how just freeing up CeeDee Lamb. Uh, and Dalton Schultz has been a little bit of a foxhole guy. We haven't been able to get anything out of Michael Gallup, you know, the entire season. Um, and since Gallup has come back, Noah Brown, like, stopped contributing as well. He was, like, an early season contributor. Like, they got more out of Noah Brown early in the season than they're getting out of any of the ancillary guys now. Yeah. Uh, so maybe they could get some, get some of those guys going. But I still feel pretty good about the the level their offense has been playing at since come back. He's cut down some of the mistakes, and they, they, they walk away with that game if they don't have the red zone turnover, you know, um, the, just the mistakes that were made. So. Yeah, this, I mean, they're favored. It's pretty interesting. So you took an all-time bad beat for the Cowboys last week and an all-time run hot moment for the Vikings uh, to kind of get here. And, uh, you know, Vegas isn't playing that game, right? Because you, you look at them on the surface, you're right. like, hey, I just watched the Vikings beat the Bills. I just watched the Cowboys lose to the Packers. One team's 8-1. Like, that team should be favored. And that's not how it works. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things that will will puzzle, uh, you know, some people. Uh, when you're looking at it, but I think when look right now, Dallas is fourth in overall DVOA. Um, if you go down to the Minnesota, who is trying to 17th, um, so obviously it, with just pure quality of team, uh, the the record is not completely uh, it's showing what that is. So uh, obviously there is a difference. Yeah, Dallas, Dallas is it's still playing good. I just like. Oh, just want to see like a, a little more and yeah, they love meat on the bone. Yeah. That's I think that that's kind of my my hang up with them as as we go through it. Um the rest of these games, and they're so like we, <laughs> <laughs> it feels like it feels like we do this uh, every week. Um like there, there's some games like we could you know nerd into a, a little bit. Like it's hard to talk about Bill's Browns um like without knowing what's the the situation is uh um, I think we could just still just say like let's pump the brakes on like the anyone like really panicking on the bills yeah oh yes yeah I think that we're Absolutely. both in agreement there they'll like, yeah you, they'll be fine you, they, they yeah listen you just need to not turn the ball over as much as you have the last two weeks it's okay yeah it's it's going to be fine. Obviously like the, they lost two games. Basically they barely lost two games where they, they have turned the ball over like an insane amount of times. Like that's what it takes. Like they're still at the very much at the pantheon of the league here. Yeah. The, the red zone interceptions are still a little concerning um, because those are like old Josh Allen tendencies that I kind of thought we got out of our system. 
at this point. So there's there's a little bit there where I think if you're if he's like pressing just a little too much and saying like I do need to take over this game and I need to make this happen, I'd still have a, a little bit of concern there if that's still you know, a little part of his mentality where he's you know just forcing things where he shouldn't and that's kind of you know the past two years but even even last year we did have a lot of conversations about the the volatility of mm-hmm. what that offense was and some of his play. But for, for the most part, I, I thought we kind of got, got away from some of those decisions. Um, so that, that would be my one concern with, with the bills, but obviously like the rest of it, yeah, they're, they're going to be fine. Um, did we don't need to be, you know, going into the power rankings that are, <laughs> you know, made to create a stir that have the bills. What, what were they like? Sixth. Um, like, yeah, that's, that's insane. (laughs) So yeah, obviously with this game, I think you you said it before we started recording, like the, the snow is going to be something to watch if they do play in Buffalo, there is no scenario where there is actually six feet of snow on the field while they're playing. So like (laughs) either they have it enough where like it is cleared and like, it's not even going to be snowing during the game. I think the, the point is, and obviously not a meteorologist, but but the way it does look like the forecasts are going, like there's going to be a crapload of snow beforehand. It's not going to snow on Sunday, so it's whether they can like clear everything out. So it's yeah, not. It, it seems like the biggest hurdle right now is that if the the the, the level of the storm may prevent Cleveland from getting there. Yeah, it's, that seems to be the biggest hurdle. Yeah, so obviously not going to not be playing, going. not actually how much snow is going to be on the football field at 1 p.m. Eastern on Sunday. Right. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it doesn't appear to be one of those things where that you're getting like two feet of snow during the game. We're not we're not getting one of those those kinds of snow games. Um, yeah. So, uh, and then you know maybe the game gets moved, um, but it it would be interesting just because you know you look at. Bills Browns, you, you still have a, a Browns defense that is not Ooh. playing. Particularly I mean, dude, they well. were they gave up almost six yards before contact per carry to the Miami Dolphins, <laughs> like a team that like couldn't run at all until they so, played the Browns. Though one of the interesting things, and like we <laughs> don't have to talk about the Dolphins much, although we obviously we can for every show, but they are on bye this week. But I think the Dolphins also kind of figured out some run game stuff too. I think they yeah, they're playing the Bears and Browns is what they figured out. That's <laughs> true. That that certainly helps. Um, but I think like some of the way they 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 structured. Um, they play the Texans uh, coming out of the bye too. I'm sure it's going to look really good then too. <laughs> Yeah, it's, I mean, sometimes sometimes that's all you need. Um, but yeah, it, it will be interesting because yeah, this this Browns run defense is just not good. They they don't have they just don't have the bodies. Especially, do you think like, that's a league wide thing? Uh, like where like you know, kind of off ball linebacker has been a position that the league has de-emphasized, you know, over the last decade, and interior like non pass rushing tackles have been kind of that way too. Remember the knock on Jordan Davis was, oh, you're going to draft a two down player like in the first round. Like he, he kind of looks important though. Yeah. Uh, it's <laughs> so it, it, it is one of those things where I think it is cyclical in the sense that when you have a lot of these defenses right now that are 
structured in the way that they want to play with the light box and they want to, you know, have the the two safeties deep at least pre-snap and you have somebody coming down. That's killing um, the Browns. Like, oh. Right. And uh, and with that type of, of defense, you do need one of those bigger guys uh, that is going to be able to take up space, be able to either, whether you're doing the, the two gap or, or gap and a half in the, you know, the Staley type of, of way. Um, you do need someone who's going to be able to take up that space. I, re- I remember uh at the combine i asked uh, tom telesco uh, about that with like with brandon staley you know with that type of defensive structure does that change the way that you are looking for at least bodies on the defensive line um and you know he gave some non-answer that was obviously like (laughs) uh you're always like looking and and trying to evaluate pieces that that are going to fit but like the sebastian joseph day thing was obviously a you know it hasn't you know, work to the point where the, the Chargers are still struggling to stop the run. But yeah, people got to stop buying guys that played for the Rams. Like some when those dudes leave the Rams, like something turns off. I don't know what it is. Well, yeah. So we can, there's there's a there's yeah there's a lot to dive into there. But you kind of thought it would help with with the Staley thing, and obviously, yeah, you have like a, a John Johnson going to a different Corey Littleton, like all these dudes. And every dude that leaves the Rams. Uh, well, right now the guys still on the Rams aren't aren't doing too well either. So there's there's a lot to dive into there. Um, but I mean, you know, I keep pulling all these splits, you know, even for the worksheet, and it's like these on-off splits for guys like Jordan Davis, like DJ Reader, uh, Akeem Hicks. Like it, like when these guys have been off the field, like there's been like significant difference in these in these run defenses. Yeah, I, I think there is certainly a. a a piece of this where you just you do need a guy who can take up space and you're, you're getting guys who can be you know the the best of both worlds i think we're, we're seeing you know some of those the guy obviously like the aaron donald is is the biggest and, and obviously kind of probably like in his own thing but i think you look at you know some of the other defensive tackles who are playing really well like a, a jeffrey simmons in uh in tennessee uh, one of the best run stoppers right now still gives you enough juice uh, against the pass. Uh, and he's continually developing there. Um, I think you have, you know, Chris Jones in, in Kansas city, obviously they, they, they still have some of their problems along the defensive line, but he's you know, one of the best the pass rushing defensive tackles and still gives you enough during the run. You, I think you, you kind of have to have at least, you know, something I had Christian Wilkins um, of Miami was uh, my, on my second team for interior defensive line. He's, one of the best at both uh right now and i think very underrated in the middle of that defense and obviously they have a lot of their issues of figuring out whether they can you know just rush with four or whatever um or for whether they have to blitz or not but he's he's a piece in the middle of that defense that kind of allows them to do some other things and while they haven't totally been gashed against the run because they they do have that piece there at least in the middle uh so i think you you do need to have one guy who is either I you, you just can't have a, a complete zero at, at this point in in that sum. And I think you know, like even like a look at the Giants, a Dexter Lawrence and a, a Leonard Williams, the two guys who can do a little bit of both. You just you can't have you can't have zeros anymore. Um and, and I think that's kind of been one of the biggest pieces of of what we're seeing uh around the league in some of those 
and why the the run is is making a comeback a little bit because you, you do see a lot of those just the, the white boxes and if you don't have a defensive line that can hold up uh, teams are going to take that a little bit obviously you know they're ready to a, a f- couple weeks ago like rushing still isn't as efficient as as passing and it probably never is going to be but you look at especially the, the way the defensive has tried to stop the explosive passes, especially um, there's never been a smaller gap between passing efficiency and rushing efficiency that we've seen, especially with the quarterbacks. And even if you just look at running back runs, it's still the same thing. So yeah, to, to go back to the Browns, like they, they just don't have a dude and that has been their, their biggest issue. They're still trying to play in that way against the pass and, you know, in other issues their their pass defense hasn't really been working all that well either. Um, but then when you, when you have guys who are only trying to penetrate against the pass, like it's leaving you with some gashes against the run. Uh, so, but you're playing Buffalo who hasn't been all that concerned about trying to, you know, establish the run uh, at any point, but we'll see if, you know, you go against a defense like this and the Browns, um, if you're just like, yeah, we'll just run it up the gut like 19 times because we know you can't stop it. What was the plan with the Naheem Hines trade? I mean, they've they've been looking for that guy, right? Like, but why? We've always like, like when is like because they've drafted these guys, right? Like they draft James Cook, they add Naheem Hines. We know that you've been pursuing this archetype of player, but for what? We haven't seen the for what yet. So it's it's interesting, (laughs) right? Because like Josh Allen is really good from empty um and that's kind of where i i thought they would be you know trying to do some stuff but right now he's only using empty on it's like one of the the lower rates in the league it's uh, 15.3 percent, so that's that's 14th but they're when they are in empty they're doing the the rams the 2021 rams type thing where they are like the only vertical offense running from empty right now. So I kind of thought Naheem Hines would potentially like be the guy you could use in that situation. That really hasn't been the case yet. Um, I I feel like this, this might be a more like late season playoff thing, right? Where we kind of see like a different version of the bills offense where we've kind of seen it like the past couple years where like they, they brush off the Josh Allen run game like last year. Um, and stuff like that. So and maybe it's it's a thing like we see really it's not so much a break glass in case of emergency, but like we don't need to bust this out until we really need to type thing. Um, but also like they didn't really give up a lot for him. Yeah. So it's it's not a, a thing where like you, you gave up a Christian McCaffrey package and you're not using him, which I'm also not concerned about if actually you get into like the 49ers here. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's interesting i I think he'll he'll be a piece i think they use but yeah it is weird that he's had like eight percent of the snaps um like in each game since he came over all right if we uh we move on here you see our ram saints that looks pretty hot uh yeah absolutely two teams that uh the dangers of there's a of, party for the Colts apparently that Jim Irsay thinks he saved the season when he probably actually sabotaged it. 
that still exists because they probably have at least one more win if Sam Ellinger never starts. Yeah, so I wrote about this in First 10 to you. It was just like <laughs> they just executed the things that they were trying to do earlier in the season, right? Um, there was actually run blocking, and like I don't know if you want to give Jeff Saturday like as much credit as uh, like one week of coaching could potentially have been, but like the run blocking actually worked. There were open lanes for uh, Jonathan Taylor, obviously, like. It was it was like the the last year where it wasn't like super successful at all times, but like the home runs were enough that it, it could carry them. Um, then you had Matt Ryan who was throwing quick um, at the highest rate he had uh, all year. One of the lowest uh, time throws like of the years, like seventy percent of his throws were within two and a half seconds. Um, so that takes away any pressure from the offensive line to to pass block. And you have guys who can, you know, take up space. The, the Michael Pittmans and and the Paris Campbells uh, were, you know, Paris Campbell was catching passes, and that's a plus and wasn't always happening uh, earlier in the season. So it was just like it was a thing where a lot of what they were just trying to do earlier in the year just worked and was executed better. And I'm not sure how much of that you can put on, you know, new coaching, um, but it kind of looked like what what we thought the Colts would have looked like. So I, I don't know. I think we can, you know, you see the highs of it, but also like we've seen what happens if like that, the execution just doesn't work quite as well and everyone's still doing the same process. I I think that that's kind of been the Colts this year. Like they're, they're fine. They're probably not the worst team in the league, but also when they should be, can be competitive enough. Like they have some of the, the top end talent that they can hang with teams, but like, that's just kind of, where the 2022 Colts are, I think it still leaves you with a lot of questions for whatever the next version of this team looks like. Um, So, um, the Chiefs, Chiefs and Chargers is an interesting game on, on Sunday night because the Chiefs are still, still doing Chiefs things. Um, it doesn't even matter who plays. We don't even know who's going to play for him either at this point of the week. Like their wide receivers. Uh, looks like Juju might not play. Looks like Hardman might not play. MVS missed practice with the illness. Uh, but last week they just rotated a bunch of dudes in and got production. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it, yeah, it doesn't really matter. You there have, is uh, Tony's hamstring magically healed. How do you feel about that, Dan? Uh, yeah, whatever. Um... <laughs> He's out there making plays. I mean, he's so like, I, there's not a lot of players that like with the football move, like he does. Right. I think if there's a one thing you might be concerned about, like, I think there is a piece of that, that is correct. I'm not sure if Kadarius Tony's body is made <laughs> to move in the way that Kadarius Tony's body can. And or I think anyone. like, that's where he kind of gets himself into trouble a little bit and that's where some of the like it's not like the injuries were were a giants thing right like this was also a concern going back to college so like he does have the ability to move that way but i'm not sure if his body is made up to sustainably run that way so while it's on the field like yeah super fun um but uh i just kind of think like that is part that is part of the concern but obviously like electric when he does play 
did you see the clip of that he was like adjusting his glove on that sideline pass like while he was running the route yeah i thought the other sideline pass where he got like an extra six yards where like just you don't see guys get like an extra six yards on like where like the defenders were positioned uh that that play too is just like just like you said like his, his movement is just totally different than a lot it's very unique for a lot of players and it's interesting to see if they can expand this role what they can get out of him the rest of the season because now that these other players are not on the field. It's open the door to kind of accelerate things here. I'm like curious about this matchup because when these teams played, obviously, you know, it's a week two, it feels like another season, but the chargers really kind of, the, they limited what the receivers did for the chiefs in that game altogether. And yep. we know that they have the personnel to defend Travis Kelsey. Uh, I did have fun right net up to like the on off splits with Duran James against Travis Kelsey. He's in no touchdowns ever against the chargers with Duran James on the field. So like they do have enough to throw at the Chiefs, uh, but just on the we're just at the point now at the Chargers like it has nothing to do with what they can do defensively, right? Because they play a, they played as good as a game you could play defensively last Sunday night. If they just don't get Mike Williams and Keenan Allen back in this offense, like it doesn't matter. They just don't have good enough players on offense. Yeah, with with both those guys out, like we we discussed it last week. You're, yeah, you're throwing it to Michael Bandy. You're. Um, like Josh when, Palmer's a fine player. Fine. Right. Solid just, guy. The, the, the point of Josh Palmer was that he was going to be a good number three. When you move that up to number one, you start having your issues. Um, Gerald Everett, great ancillary player. When the offense has to rely on eight Gerald Everett targets. Yeah, right. And like <laughs> the offense has still been fine right like it, it hasn't bottomed out which we also is what we talked about last week it like it it should it should bottom out this offense should be atrocious uh but it's not because the, the quarterback is good enough to make it at least passable um and that's kind of where we are with the charges right now and obviously we have reports of keenan allen and mike williams returning to practice to individual um, work. So like that to me, right. that to me is still a signal of like, all right, yeah, maybe still, not. They're on the mend, but they might not be here Sunday. Yeah, I, I will believe they're playing Sunday when they are active on Sunday. And yeah, probably Allen especially, like uh, trusted anything until he's actually suited up. And and that might not even be enough because three weeks ago he did suit up against the Seahawks it's and true. just didn't play after the first quarter. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it is rough. And, and I think like when you, obviously the chargers, um, it's, it's tough. Like it is crazy that we have gone from what was in week two to like what we are currently looking at now. Like you say, it was, it does feel like a, a season ago. Um, and, and it kind of was because this was a very different version of, of the chiefs, of the, the chiefs and the chargers yeah. too. Um, so I, I'm going, I'm writing about the chiefs and hopefully it'll, it'll be up on Thursday, just the, the way they have been able to take all of the changes in the offense from last season throughout this year, Patrick Mahomes still leads the league in the number of completions that have gone 20 or more yards. Like this is still an explosive offense. It's not in the way that like we have thought about explosive chiefs offenses in the past, but like the they're still figuring out uh, chunk gains like and it's okay because they can get the ball into some guys hands they do that creatively obviously they have a scheme where they're creating open space 
Kadarius Tony is a piece of that now. Um, so it's just it, the way they're able to do that. And I think they, I think one of the things the Chargers do well is I think they do kind of collapse that space a little bit in the middle of the field. And obviously when you do have, you know, a Derwin James, who can hold on to a Travis Kelsey, um, you know, you, they, they play around with some stuff in the middle of the field. They haven't done like three safety quite as much as they did like earlier in the year. Um, you know, obviously they still have some the issues at corner, but I think they, they do kind of collapse that space a little bit where like the yards after the catch might not be as big of a, a factor. So I think that and it is going to be an interesting thing. Cause I think like you, we didn't see a lot of guys like running away um, in uh, with the 49ers like like you said last week like they they did play that pretty well so i think they kind of do have a way they can structure the defense around where it kind of limits some of the the big plays like that um and and if that's the case maybe they can you know to keep it a little closer and obviously like you feel a lot better with the chargers offense um if any receivers are playing yeah, I mean, just you see, I need to see who's on the field because until those guys are playing for the Chargers, I'm not just gonna, they're just not going to generate enough points. Yeah, it's it's sad, uh, especially because like we're now in like year three, so you're going into year four of this, and like there's going to be a the contract extension soon. It's just a, a lot mm-hmm. of things like for the future of the Chargers. It's kind of you. Um, we kind of hoped that. The, a lot of the the spending on defense was is going to help and, and kickstart. It was the same. It was the same window like what the Bengals had, right? I guess so. You know, I'm trying to just max this thing out on this rookie contract. Yeah, and that's kind of what you you got to try to do uh, at this point. But man, it just hasn't hasn't worked out uh, to to this point. Obviously, like the, the Justin Herbert injury uh, played a, a bit of a, a piece in that too. But yeah, and a, a lot of injuries. Uh, going going across the Chargers, which is just always kind of the, the thing that happens. Um, it doesn't matter what regime, what quarterback, somehow it always comes back to this. Yeah, it does. Um, they need to need to, to pull some of the the Rams uh, training staff a little bit. Although you know Rams having some trouble, uh, Kevin O'Connell uh, pulled some of the Rams training staff, and uh, the Vikings doing pretty well. Uh, with injuries I, like that that's a thing i mean this, um, i can't i mean listen we're not going to talk about that but like this rams offense now minus cooper cup oh boy it's literally all they had that, that's it that's the only <laughs> thing they had um <laughs> i did i don't know I, I really don't know what this is going to look like it's like everything that could have gone wrong for the Rams did. Uh, and we've, we've talked about it a bunch. I wrote about it uh, like the beginning of October of like what was going on. It was and how it's, close it's, are they to like if Stafford's elbow is like still a backdoor thing, like why, like how close are we to them just like pulling this like this? Uh, and maybe it depends on what happens this week. Like if it, if it looks Remember, like he bad. came into the year and you know that was supposed to supposedly going to be a situation where Stafford was going to need something done with his elbow eventually, but they're going to try to push through the season. Like we haven't, it hasn't gotten talked about all year, right? Like even through all like the play. But I do wonder if it's still a thing like they, they're eventually just going to look at and just shut down eventually because like Cup can't come back till week fifteen, and who knows if he can come back at all at this point. Uh, by the time we get to week fifteen, who knows where the where the Rams are looking. But yeah, maybe they're looking at this and seeing like, well, 
maybe if we win, there's still hope alive. I don't know, but it's rough. Yeah, it's it's not great. Um, yeah, just it's so many different things going on. Obviously, like all the all the offensive line stuff. Like they they don't have any. They put another two guys on IR this week. Yeah, so they haven't had anything going vertically. Obviously, you had the the possession. You can you know throw forty percent of your targets to Cooper Cup, and now you, you can't do that. It's because even you, who are you even scheming like that? Like who what, who are you putting in that role? Ben Skaronic, like it's the it's the T two Atwell game. Man. Yeah, uh, you know we thought like that, like you know maybe it's like they have to do something for Allen Robinson now. But how we, can we even have any confidence in that right now? Yeah, it's. It's tough. Um, yeah, it's. There were stretches last year where, like, the Rams were the team, the offense I was most excited to watch. Uh, and that was, like, at a point where, like, there were still a lot of people, like, not completely convinced on the Rams, but just, like, what they were doing for week to week was a lot of fun. And it is the exact opposite uh, this year because. The, we we might not see a more like a painful stretch of offensive football and like there, there's nothing they can do about it either right like there's it's not like this is going to be a bad coaching job from sean mcveigh if this offense looks like crap for the next four weeks it's like they're like multiple hands tied behind his back and like fingers tied within that also like you can't even like wiggle out of it i i I really don't know what the rams are going to look like over the next couple weeks it's 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 gonna be rough Um, so we have some like there are some other like interesting games like jets patriots two like are are we going to see points in this game i i I don't trust either quarterback to, to score points against the opposing defense, right? We have, you know, the Patriots are, are really starting to click now. They're figuring out kind of what they have in the secondary, which is fun. Um, you have Matt Judon just like wrecking games right now. They've figured a lot of stuff out on defense. One of the better units in the league now. Mm-hmm. You have Mac Jones who can't complete the no. pass at all. Like the offensive structure is still quite bad. Um, you go to the other side. Jets defense, whole lot of fun. Um, they're they're clicking. You know, Quinn and Williams playing is incredible. Um, you have a lot some other guys on the defensive line. You have Carl Lawson who's who's playing well. Um, that secondary is a lot of fun. Obviously, Sauce Gardner, DJ Reed. Um, you have all of that going on. Then you have the offense, and it's just um, Zach Wilson still is. Just, it's just not good. Um, so eh, the Zach Wilson thing is interesting because he has like one of the highest EPAs from a clean pocket. Um, Which historically is more predictable for success. Right. Like if you look at, if you were going to project going from year to year, um, that's the only, want to look that's at, the only thing I'm giving him like still hope, like one crack of the window. So, so okay, he, so, he just makes ridiculous, stupid plays though that just are insane. But so yeah, he'll make throws like when these teams played the first time a couple weeks ago, he threw a touchdown pass to Tyler Conklin from the opposite hash. That was like like a like not many quarterbacks can make that throw. 
Um, but then he just does something like he'll then he'll make three plays where you're like, no other quarterback would make that throw either. Like the one where he was gonna throw away but didn't throw away. <laughs> uh it's it's completely frustrating. Um I'm willing to see that because like, this offensive line is is a disaster. Like they've had so many injuries. Like, I mean, if this offensive line is healthy, could they put him in more optimal spots to where you have more clean pockets? But yeah, it's I, he He's really the only terrible, outright terrible, terrible game he played was against the Patriots, though. And then he just has moments of fleeting terribleness in other games. Because the turnovers really haven't been there outside of the Patriots game. Yeah, I mean, well, it's... But it just hasn't, like, been consistently good. So, no. look at look at EPA uh, per dropback from a clean pocket. Number one is Patrick Mahomes. We go Tua, Jimmy Garoppolo. Number four is Zach Wilson this year so fourth best epa he can still rip it man when you want me he's like he can rip it so that's that's kind of the the duality of this discussion right because even last year i thought the offensive structure was very fun i thought mike uh michael four sorry there's so many mics there's so many equal fours um michael four did a very good job of scheming the offense and the quarterback was just like nah it's I know what I do well. Um, and, and he did not, and we still have pieces of that. Right. So like when the offense is still in structure, this is, it's working out. Right. But there are still so many times where Zach Wilson still wants to like bail from a clean pocket. So like the, the fact that he's not working from a clean pocket often is like just as much on Zach Wilson as it has been in the pockets, not holding up. So like, he that's is, what, that's what I, that's what ended up killing Baker's career. Yeah, and I, mm, that's it's it's a little similar in, in that sense, right? Obviously, like Zach Wilson has the, the stronger arm, um, can make some of the the crazier plays, but also like the, the decision making just isn't there when it's not given to him, and like that is that is still a concern. Uh, when you look at like what the overall thing is, the fact that right now he is fourth in EPA per dropback uh, from a clean pocket but is 29th in just EPA per play overall. Like the, the fact that there's so much of a drop-off when not everything's perfect is, is crazy. And again, you're like you are going against a Bill Belichick team right now. that They aren't helping him either. Like, you know, like they're trying to hide him and it's making it worse, I think, when he has to. Like so a lot of his pressure stuff, I think, directly correlates to being in obvious passing spots. Yeah, that's one of the things. But look, when you don't trust the quarterback to right, but I mean his stuff like on early downs is awesome. Yeah, it's just one of those things when when it's completely it's schemed up like he can throw it to where it needs to be, and they have enough talent. Like Garrett Wilson is awesome. Um, we see teams do this a lot though, and I just feel like it's one of these old coaching things that like uh, you're you think you're protecting the quarterback and you're actually making it a lot worse on your quarterback. We've seen this for Garoppolo for years. Uh, and yeah, I feel like they're, we're starting to see this with the Jets, right? Because they're winning these games. And a coaching a coach is always going to take this path, right? Like when you're winning games, they're always going to take this path. Um, but they're putting, you know, Zach Wilson uh, in spots to where when he does have to throw, it's completely obvious. And it's, it's compounding his already limitations, right? Like the things that are his shortcomings and things that are problematic they're compounding that with the situations they're placing him in. I don't think they're doing him any favors either uh, structurally 
So it's it's kind of a, a chicken and egg thing too going on with this too. We see this all the time. I just think quarterback or coaches do this way too much. That path to least resistance. You think you're protecting your quarterback by this, and you're actually making it way worse. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where he's kind of say like in in maybe like a, a ryan Tannehill type of situation where like you can he's maybe like one of those the great guys off off play action and you're asking him to do anything else in the drop back game and that's when it's going to fall apart um and i say that because uh, i'm looking right now um true media has like a, a drop back probability model uh so when there is a 90 percent probability of a drop back or higher uh, Zach Wilson is 29th in, in yeah. PDA per play. Yep. Um, Ryan Tannehill right behind him at 30th. Um, I'll check that. So it's, yeah, it, it's one of those things. So even let's look at what the EPA is from, from a clean pocket, even. Ah, but still, it's, it's fourth. He's still fourth. Um, no, sorry, that's still the same thing. Um, so yeah, it just when there's when he does have to drop back, and obviously, like you, you don't want Zach Wilson doing that stuff in, in third and long, right? But you also don't want him making mistakes on first and second down. It's it's right. it's tough because like he has no, been no, prone to do that. Why, also, yeah, I get why it's gone this way. Like I said, I mean, this is the coaches, and, and literally ninety percent of coaches are going to choose this angle, right? Like it's it's going to come out that way. But if the Jets think they're going to like really like get excited and win a bunch of playoff games 16 to 9, like that's not going to happen either. Yeah, and that it becomes a very interesting question for the 2023 Jets. Um like they'll they'll go as as far in, in 2022 as the quarterback allows them to go. Um and like they're they're probably going to be in the playoffs, right? They're they're good enough to do that. The defense can can carry them. They'll make enough plays. The run game is good enough. What that means for the twenty twenty three Jets and where they think the quarterback can take them is going to be fascinating. I think we we have a, a couple of of those situations that that we'll be seeing this off season, and it'll be it'll really be fascinating to see because there's. I don't think we're going to see as much quarterback movement as we did uh, because I just, I don't think those available quarterbacks are, are there, but I think we, we are going to see a couple teams that might realize they do need the upgrade and the jets just you know, might be one of them. Um, so it, it, it'll be fascinating, but this, this game, I think is just, if we're going to consider it an ugly game when we're watching it because the offenses are go- not going to be able to score points. But like, this is going to be a very good defensive game because both of these defenses are going to be structured in a way that's just going to make life hell uh, for the opposing offense. Um, so like this is, this is a 6-3 game. I'm not going to be surprised. <laughs> yeah, if you're uh, dialed in on Scott Hansen on Sunday, you might not see a lot of this one. <sighs> yeah, or or it's going to be one of those where... I think the the Jets are are a good offensive red zone team in the sense like when it does switch to them, like this is either going to be great or this is going to be a disaster. And I think the, the Patriots might be there too. Like you just said, uh, a Mac Jones drop back at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, can the the whole the whole spectrum is is on the table. Uh, and I have, we'll, we'll be getting that I think in this game too. <laughs> um, so. Uh, we can we can end it here. A couple more. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, man. 
Let's, hey, we can talk about breaking defense. down, breaking down the, the pros and cons of Zach Wilson's 2022 season. Yeah, man. Uh, hey, this is this is what we got to do. This is again, this is a playoff team. This is like almost a locked-in playoff team. We and we have to talk about the the quarterback and what he's doing because right now he's he's just he's along for the ride. Um, so yeah, that's just that's just where we are. That's kind of what what the NFL is is right now. Um, do you like any of these teams? Not put you on the spot, but do you like, do you like any of these teams that are kind of, kind of like meandering through that haven't been good to like to, to like be like a team you think finishes strong? You still have Dan Pazuta faith in. So uh, what what which teams are, are we kind of talking? Just about? anyone like in the middle about? that just generally hasn't been like very good. Any team with like around five hundred, right? <sighs> Is there any team you want to put a stamp of approval on? No, I'm, I'm not confident in, in any of these teams to, to put a <laughs> Bengals, Bucks, Chargers. You believe in any of these teams? So the Bucks, the Bucks are interesting in, in a sense that, like, we, and we've talked about it. They still have the top talent. If there was a team, and we talked about it either you know, last week or two weeks ago, if there was a team, like, obviously, we had more confidence in them than, than Green Bay. And I think we we kind of saw what the idealized version of the Bucks should look like in against Seattle, and I think the question is whether that game was enough to convince Byron Leftwich that the run is established and they can just <laughs> run the crap out of play action from now until the end of the season, or if they still feel like they need to individually establish the run in every game. Because I think we saw the play action, the stuff over the middle, Brady's throwing some some intermediate stuff there. Like that's what this offense should look like. And they just like haven't been able to because the run game has been so bad. So they don't think they can run play action. Um, and so it, like if they continue to do that, then like, yeah, this Bucks team can can still be good. And especially in the NFC where there's not really a lot of great teams, like could this be a Super Bowl team? I'm sure it could be. Like, could they get hot? Yeah. Um, but like uh, other than that, like, it, but that's also like, have they convinced themselves like that's what they should be? And and I don't know if I trust the coaching staff at this point to for them to believe that's what they should be. Uh, we might just see them go back to whatever they were once they can't establish the run on first down. Uh, we're going to see a, a 15% play action rate again. And it just, it looks like what it has for most of the season. Um, is, is there one that you're, you're looking uh, at because it's, it's, it's a tough group. Like if, if it, we're in a point of the season where like, if you have been relatively good, you're like on the verge of the playoffs already. Like there, there's right. not a lot of mid tier or like rec, even record wise, like middle of the pack teams that are like waiting to break out because you kind of just by default have already kind of put yourselves in the playoff picture. So th there's not really any of those workers at this point. No, not really. I mean, you look across the league, like, yeah, the bucks would be the one that stands out. We can't really count the 49ers. I don't think, uh, I, I think, think the 49ers are too good for that. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and the, the Bengals would be, I guess the other team, right. That you look at, but I mean, the Bengals have a pretty rough schedule the rest of the way. But if they can get Jamar Chase back here, like they're the one team, but they, they're, I mean, this Bengals schedule coming out of the bye is, is something. Steelers, at Steelers, at Titans, Chiefs, Browns, Buccaneers, Patriots, Bills, Ravens. That's, 
that is a and that was part of the that was part of the discussion heading into the season of why the Bengals like could be quality wise as good as they were last year which was fine but not be like as yeah, they just made a playoff run yeah yeah and and i like that was that was part of it and i think we've kind of seen that to this point where yep. like there also has been some more volatility with the offense um the, even as the defense is, is still played pretty well but yeah. yeah i would say honestly on the surface the bucks and it's not just us like coming back and trying to like oh the bucks won two games like let's get back on but their layout, like we said, like there could be, there's a realistic scenario where the Bucks win the NFC South and play like a team like the Giants in week one of the playoffs in the wild card round. And then yeah. you can, then you theoretically are staring at playing either a team like the Cowboys or Vikings in the second round. Like, right? Like, if they were in the AFC, I'd feel a lot different, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah. And I think if you were going to pick a team, like it has to be in the NFC. Uh, and that's another reason, like, why you don't have to, you know, hook. Uh, a rocket to the Bengals right now because then you do have to at some point you're going to have to run through either the Chiefs or the Bills and like that's so much yeah. harder than than what like a, a Buccaneers playoff run would have to be yeah the, the AFC playoffs uh, are going to be they're going to be hot man you know, with the with the quarterback play because two is playing out of his mind right now yeah. uh, Mahomes you know Josh Allen it's going to be hot we'll still have Ryan Tannehill <laughs> Uh, I'll tell you what, though, uh, a team I do expect to finish strong now that drag this shot even longer is the Jaguars. I mean, dude, I know they didn't win that game against the Chiefs, but that was maybe the best game I've seen Trevor Lawrence play. He was this dude is throw. He was he's throwing, good, man. Yeah, it, he he was he was re- he made some throws in that game that were incredible. Yeah, it's just kind of it. It ends up with kind of what we we talked about with with the christian kirk thing like christian kirk good football player but when you sign christian kirk you still need a number one receiver and they just like don't really have that so they can get some place to, to christian kirk but then you're still throwing to to zay jones marvin jones um you know evan ingram it's it's not a deep group of of skill position players and like that's still what he's trying to to make this offense out of um and, and it's a tough look they they still just need to to build a, a couple things around that but like I'm, I'm i'm not worried about trevor lawrence it's just he's fine but they're three like, and seven right now I, th- I bet they finish a lot closer to 500 than competing for a high draft pick again yeah would, wouldn't be surprised especially in in the uh, muddied afc south where you can still beat up on a, on a couple of those teams throughout the back half of the season but yeah, there we go. It's oh, just a lot of stuff going on, and I think that's what kind of makes this fun at some point. The games are kinda... close, man. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Right back to it. If uh, if that's it, we're going with for the for the quality of games is that they're close, sure. But like you're watching to the end. Uh, yeah. It's like watching a three-hour movie that's just mediocre. It's just you know they gotta sit through it. Yeah, hey, we don't we don't need the Snyder cut of any of these of any of these games. Um, yeah, it's Jets Patriots Snyder cut. Just uh, three hours of, of very gloomy. <laughs> no, no actual payoff. Um, so, on that note, uh, we'll end the show here. A reminder that it is uh, free week chart football uh, analysis uh, dot com. All of our content 
um, unlocked, uh, free to view for for the whole week. And that includes all of Rich's worksheets. Um, so if you have not been a fantasy subscriber, you have not been reading the worksheet every week, not sure how you've been doing a fantasy season, but uh, all of those are, are now free to read. It comes with a, a whole bunch of, of other things, all of Rich's content. Um, yeah, unlocked with a bunch of our other fantasy and betting stuff uh, up on the site. So all you have to do is is go to the site. There's a little box you can just uh, click to get access to to all of that stuff. So um, would highly suggest doing that uh, throughout the rest of the week. Um, you can follow Rich on Twitter at Wood Reeves. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Pesuda. Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you again soon.